good morning. Thank you again for, for being with us this morning. Um, like seriously, thank you. Uh, you could be anywhere else doing anything else, um, but here you are, so we really do appreciate it. Um, as, as many of you know, um, we lost one of our own uh, at Massey Bible Chapel this week, um, Rod McNabb, who was guaranteed um, to be here on a Sunday morning. Um, he, uh, he passed away suddenly on uh, this past Monday. Uh, so we'd ask that you'd keep his family in your prayers, especially his sister Penny, um, that you would, you would lift her up in prayer. Um, sorry. <clears throat> I assume it was Penny um, who introduced me to Rod when I came back from my stint in, in Waterloo. Um, I'm guessing we probably exchanged hellos, uh, probably a handshake, but then we really didn't talk for, for years after that. Um, he was introverted and intimidating, and I was introverted and intimidated. Um, I mean, you've got to understand the, the size difference between the two of us. Um, if we were to, to cast for a Massey Bible Chapel performance of David and Goliath, um, Rod would have for sure been given the role of Goliath, and I would have for sure been given the role of um, the stone that David flings at Goliath. It was, it was a size difference between the two of us. Um, and, and, and that size of a man, no matter how gentle or, or how kind, is always going to intimidate me. Um, so, so other than probably a, a good morning here and there as he quietly snuck out of church to his truck... Um, there was really no interaction between the two of us. Um, fast forward a couple years, probably 2013, 2014, um, I'd gone to a, a conference in Hamilton, I believe, called Act Like Men. And uh, I'd come back, I was energized, I was rejuvenated, um, I, I got the DVDs for that conference, and I really wanted to share it with the, with the men here at Massey Bible Chapel. So I talked to the leadership about it at the time, and um, we decided to, uh, to do a monthly men's meeting. Um, and we would go through each session as, as the months went on. Um, this meeting consisted of a meal, because if you want to get men to show up to something, just tell them you'll feed them. They'll be there. Um, so it was a meal. Uh, we'd watch a sermon, we'd discuss the sermon, we share prayer requests, and then we would offer those prayer requests to God. Um, and this is something that, um, with the exception of, of these past months of COVID that have been kind of on and off, um, we've done this ever since. Um, I don't remember exactly how quickly Rod got on board with it, but he was definitely a part of the core group of this meeting for the last probably five or six years, um, he, was, he was here. I don't think he missed a single meeting in that time. Like not for, not for work, not for hunting, not for weather, not for anything. If we were meeting, he was there. There was even one time we forgot to tell him it was canceled and he was even here when it wasn't, when we weren't meeting. So he was, uh, he was here. If we were meeting, he was here. And, and though the two of us were never 
were never best friends. Like there was never a, a sleepover or, or matching plaid shirts or anything. He taught me some very important lessons in our time together. Lessons that were taught not in the spotlight, but behind the scenes. Lessons that were preached not through words in a pulpit, but through his actions in his life. Most of them from, from this exact seat that I'm sitting in here. This is the seat. Every, every men's meeting, this is where Rod was. In this seat, he was here. So I'm going to take you through um, three of the lessons that, that he taught me. When I was writing out the list, there were, there were far more than three. Um, but these were the three that really, that really stood out to me that, that I saw in, in Rod's life and in Rod's character. Um, one of the things that Rod taught me was the importance of steadiness. The importance of consistency, of dedication, of perseverance. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast or, or stand firm. Be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is never in vain. Be steadfast. Stand firm. Be immovable. Be steady. Be consistent. Persevere. This was Rod. Rod was steady. He was always at church. He was always at the men's meetings. You could always count on him to be there. And that is so refreshing. And um, as, as being the one who did a lot of the heavy lifting for these men's meetings, I, I so appreciated someone who was going to be there. Sometimes you can get frustrated um, when, you're, when, you're doing, when you're running meetings for a church or a Bible study for a church because people's lives are busy and we understand, but it's just hard to plan stuff like that because one week you'll have 10 people, the next week maybe you have nobody. So to have somebody that you know, that you could count on, that he was going to be there was such a blessing and, and it's somewhat rare to find these days. It's hard to be someone who people can count on because life is busy. It, it can be a burden to be someone that people can count on. Always showing up, always being present. Oftentimes when you find someone who's, who's consistent, who's always there, who's always showing up, um, they're there to, to stir the pot or to, to point out flaws, or to poke holes in what you're doing, or to offer suggestions, um, strongly worded suggestions about how it could be done better. I mean, if you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in your Bible, you're going to see the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, that are consistently with Jesus. So when you talk about someone who's consistently there, the, the Pharisees were consistently there with Jesus. But they were consistently there for the wrong reasons. They were not there to, to learn from him or, or to contribute to his ministry. They always showed up to, to test him or to find a flaw or to, to question what he was doing or to try to take him down. Rod was not this way. He was never looking to cause trouble, never looking to stir things up. He showed up because he loved Jesus and he loved this community. 
In John 3.16, we're told that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. God loved us so much that he showed up. You could say that Rod returned the sentiment. Rod loved Jesus so much that he showed up. Every Sunday morning, every men's meeting, standing firm, steady, consistently. Because of Rod's example, I hope to be more consistent. I strive to show up. Another thing I learned from, from observing Rod was the, the importance of words. James 1.19 tells us that that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, for a long time, I thought this verse was just really a polite way of saying, shut your mouth and listen. Just, just shut up and listen. But in spending time with Rod, I saw the true meaning of this verse. It's not, it's not don't speak. It doesn't say don't speak but rather make your words count. You ever meet someone who just talks so much that it almost becomes background noise? And now at this point, even if they say something important, you're not gonna hear it because they've just said so much. Or you ever meet someone who, who talks and talks and talks, but really never says anything? Um, Lou Lamorello, he is the former GM of the... Uh, New Jersey Devils, the former GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he's the current GM of the New York Islanders. Um, so he's, he's been around a long time, very smart guy, very good at his job. He is the king of talking while saying absolutely nothing. Like I've heard, I've heard him do 30-minute interviews where he speaks a ton of words and just gives no information. And I've heard the interviewer at the end of it just laughing, saying... Like, we really don't know any more than we did before we got him on here. This verse is not saying, just stop talking. Just don't say anything. This verse is saying, speak less, but say more. Speak less, but say more. And that was Rod. He was not a man of many words, but when he spoke... I listened. He would always sit quietly at the men's meetings during our discussion about the sermon that we just watched. But once in a while, once in a while he would speak up about it. He would have something to say and it would add so much to the conversation. He didn't want to speak just to be heard. He spoke when he had something of substance to say. Speak less but say more. In our culture today, too many people are speaking simply to be heard. And speaking in anger is a great way to be heard. Um, Carrie Newhoff wrote recently, anger is a great way to be heard even if you have nothing to say. So many people are so quick to speak and so uninterested in listening. Rod understood that speak less and say more was what God wants for us as followers of, of, of him. Because of Rod's example, I strive to do that, to speak less and to say more.
A third thing Rod taught me was um, the importance of opening up. The importance of, of letting people in. Romans 12, 15 says that we ought to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now, I've always read this verse from the perspective of the one observing the rejoicing and the weeping. So if I see someone rejoicing, I should rejoice. If I see someone weeping, I should weep with them. Don't just weep, weep with them. And that's true. That's, that's, a, that's a proper way to read that verse. But recently, through, through Rod's example, I saw this verse through the other perspective. See, this whole verse is predicated on the rejoicer actually rejoicing and the weeper actually weeping. I mean, if you're rejoicing about something, but you don't show it, how is anybody supposed to rejoice with you? And if you have been just crushed by something, but you don't weep, how is anybody supposed to weep with you? If, if you are crushed, if you have been, been beat up by someone, by, beat up by something, by, by a situation in your life, if you don't show it, how can someone be there for you? How can someone show up for you? How can someone love you if you don't let them in? Rod had really begun to let us in over the last handful of years. He went from a guy who would show up quietly, sit quietly, and leave quietly, to a guy who would, um, who would linger and who would make small talk. From a guy who would not offer any prayer requests at, at the men's meetings, to a guy who was, who was very open about his requests. From a guy who was very hard for me to read, to a guy who let me in. How can someone be there for you? How can someone show up for you? How can someone love you if you don't let them in? Because of Rod's example, I've tried to be more open. I've tried to let people in more. Rod's quiet example, it spoke volumes to me. And I know it did to many of you as well. And the reason Rod could stand firm, the reason Rod could, could speak less but say more, the reason Rod could open up and let people in was because of his love for his Savior. Rod understood that he was a sinner and that his sin had separated him from God and nothing in his power could reconcile his relationship with the God of the universe. Rod understood that God loved him so much and that God loves us so much that he showed up. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to this earth to bridge the gap. He sent Jesus to reconcile our relationship with him. And Jesus came to this earth and he lived the perfect life. 
Jesus was falsely accused and nailed to a cross in our place for our sin. The Bible says that on that cross, Jesus didn't just just take away our sin. Jesus became our sin. Jesus became our sin. So for anyone who has ever lied, Jesus became a liar. For anyone who's ever stolen anything, Jesus became a thief. For anyone who's ever killed, Jesus became a murderer. For anyone who's ever cheated, Jesus became an adulterer. Jesus became our sin. And God placed our punishment on him in his death. Rod understood the severity of that. But he also understood that Jesus didn't stay dead. But he rose from the grave three days later, conquering sin and death. And because of that, we can be reconciled to the God who created us. We can now live in relationship with the God who created everything. And now, right now, in Rod's death, we know that he is more alive than he ever was. As, as Casting Crown sing in their new song, Scars in Heaven, they sing this, The only scars in heaven, they won't belong to me and you. There'll be no such thing as broken, and all the old will be made new. And the thought that makes me smile now, even as the tears fall down, is that the only scars in heaven are on the hands that hold you now. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the example that that Rod was to me. I thank you for the example he was to so many others. I pray that um, that we could be steady, that we could be consistent. I pray that that we would show up. We would be a people who show up. We would be a people who would speak less, but we would say more. That we would be a people who, who open up, who let people in. I pray that, that with Rod as our example, with you as our example, that, that we would live a life like this. I pray, for, I pray for Rod's family in this time, that you would comfort them, Think of, of Penny, of Lori, Jim, of Martin, um, all of Rod's family and friends. We just pray for comfort. And um, though we know that he's with you now, though we know that, um, that he, is, he is more alive, he is happier than he's ever been, uh, it still hurts. So we pray for comfort in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, one thing I can tell you for certain through Rod's example is this. Christianity works. Leaning on Jesus works. Dedicating your life to the one who gave his life for you works. If you're someone who has tried everything just to be let down time and time again, I promise you, Jesus will not let you down. The things of this world, they try to change your life for the better. 
and it just doesn't work. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus, Jesus promises not to simply change your life for the better, but to make it new, to give you new desires, to give you a purpose, to have a relationship with you. If that's something that, that you're just longing for, you've tried everything, it hasn't worked, and, and, and Jesus does, if that's, if that's where you're at right now, um, I'd ask that you would you'd raise your hand and that you'd pray with me. Um, this is not a magical formula that's going to punch your ticket to heaven. Rather, it's just an outward expression of the longing you have to be made new in Jesus. So let's pray now. Father, I thank you that you love me so much that you showed up. I thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place for my sin. I thank you that in him I have new life. I give mine to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, we would love to hear from you. We would love to, um, to pray with you, to get a Bible in your hand. Um, so just reach out to us and let us know. Thank you again for being here with us today and have a great week. Mm -hmm.